We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays, except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays because Wing Tuesdays are half-price Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half-price Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void were prohibited. Do you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports but struggle to find the time to research players and track news, especially on mobile devices? Download Blitzpick, your DFS command center. Blitzpick is a state-of-the-art mobile companion for FanDuel and DraftKings users, featuring a lineup optimizer, player news, injury alerts, historical stats, and much more. Our proven lineup optimizer incorporates advanced analytics and game theory to keep you a step ahead of the competition. Blitzpick's news comes directly from RotoWire, ensuring you never miss a story. Get injury alerts pushed directly to your phone as soon as the news breaks. Blitzpick even recommends the best replacements. Check out our value play section for the right players to build your lineups around. Pick a few, and then let Blitzpick Optimizer do the rest or fill your lineup out manually, relying on our accurate projections. Blitzpick is available in the iPhone and Google Play stores. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, December 8th. Nick Whalen and James Anderson here with you. Uh, as usual, we're going to do our a bit of a mix of college basketball as well as the NBA. Um, we'll talk a little Young Thug, of course, the topic that's on everybody's mind. Uh, maybe touch on a little J. Cole. 
the album's coming out. Or is it an album or a mixtape for J. Cole? It's a legit album. Okay, well, something's coming out from J. Cole tomorrow. Uh, and then we'll do our, our quarter all-NBA teams. Uh, we'll finish out with that. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, talk a little bit of lottery uh, stuff as far as college basketball goes. But first, the Golden State Warriors uh, met with the L.A. Clippers last night. And you know, the Clippers have cooled off. You know, A couple of weeks ago, this maybe looked like it was going to be a juicier matchup when you know all these metrics were kind of showing that the Clippers were right there with Golden State. Uh, the Clippers lost a few since then, had come back to earth a little bit, and this was a beatdown thoroughly last night. 115-98 was the final, but that really doesn't show, uh, you know, how, how much or how lopsided, I should say, this one was in favor of Golden State. Uh, they jumped out to a 37-19 lead at the end of the first. Clippers made a bit of a run, you know, leading up to halftime, cut it down to, I think, six or seven, um, and, and, you know, had it within a reasonable margin at times earlier in the third. But, uh, I mean, when it was all said and done, this was uh, kind of Golden State showing the Clippers that they're still on a completely different tier. Yeah, and I, I think the the big takeaway for me was just how dominant Draymond Green was on both sides of the ball and mm-hmm. just how much he kind of took Blake Griffin out of the game. It It wasn't you know there there were just possessions some of the some of the clippers offensive possessions were just so awful and it almost sort of seemed like the warriors defense or the warriors offense was affecting the clippers offense because the warriors would just have an amazing sequence of of passes that would just lead inevitably lead to to mm-hmm. someone getting a layup and then the clippers would come down and just i don't know if they weren't weren't running stuff or, or what but it would just be kind of one pass bad shot almost like they were trying to like keep pace or, or I, I don't really know what was going on but Blake couldn't really do anything mm-hmm. uh, and it wasn't even like like Durant didn't even have that great of a night um, Curry and Clay were just kind of okay uh, Curry was 0 for 8 from 3 I mean it could have been a lot worse really yeah well that's the thing is Golden State as a team was 7 of 30. I mean, Iguodala missed both of his. Curry, like you said, was 0 of 8. And these were wide-open looks that Curry was missing, you know, by Curry standards. I guess some of them were pull-up transition threes that most guys don't even take. But those are shots that we've seen him make with extreme regularity. Durant was 1 of 5 from 3. Uh, Clay was 3 of 6. But even for him, you know, that's if, if you're saying that you're going to hold Durant clay and curry to a combined four threes uh i think you'd like your chances and still like that's kind of the narrative i think i talked with dj uh, about the same thing um on monday it's the, the warriors don't even have to play all that well and they still blow teams out with ease because of their passing i think they had assists on 14 of their first 15 baskets or 15 of the first 16 somewhere in that range which is just ridiculous and, it, and it's not like they're overpassing they're not I don't even know that they're necessarily making a point to do that. They're all just so unselfish, and their games have kind of blended uh, so well together that it comes easy. Yeah, I mean that—that's it's just constant cutting, constant ball movement, and inevitable layups. When you have, especially when you have Clay and Steph and Durant on the floor at the same time, there's just no way to really stay home on the secondary guys and you'll just see you know someone running free for a layup if 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 you swing the ball enough and those three guys are out there inevitably you're going to catch someone out of position and and get an easy bucket out of it so right. yeah I mean you don't like you're saying it's a, it's a jump shooting team in the sense that you have three of the best shooters of all time on the team but 
the big thing that those shooters really create is a an offense where you just really get a, a layup line going at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not that they have to, you know, make ten jump shots a game. It's that the threat of them taking those jump shots and making those jump shots is what opens up everything else. I mean, that stat from Monday night, you know, with Clay taking what was it, eleven dribbles the entire night, like. I mean, part of that is, you know, that's Clay's game. He's a catch-and-shoot guy first. Those are not often shots you need to dribble before. But even when he was catching, you know, not in a catch-and-shoot situation, he's right under the basket. He can turn, maybe take one dribble, and put it right up. And then we saw that over and over. I mean, I think, uh, I don't know if it was this morning or last night, you you texted me, like, they're making Ian Clark, you know, look really good. And I, I think Ian Clark's a fine player. I don't know that he would look this good or close to this good on just about any team, but you know, I mean, he's a smart cutter and he's in the right spots and they always seem to find him. Iguodala is the same way. He had a couple of just wide open dunks off of easy passes. Uh, I mean, they've all just completely bought in on, on this system. And that and that includes Durant, who I think was probably the, the one concern, you know, being the new guy. Yeah, I mean, just going back to the clay game really quickly. I mean, that, I don't I don't even think you're I don't think you're going to see a, an efficient night like that. Maybe I, I just don't know when you could see it or who could even like could we go back and get the dribble numbers on kobe's 81 point <laughs> game i want to say like, i want to say it was more than 11 clay took as many free throws as he had dribbles in that game it's not like right. he took like 23 pointers and or it's not like all of his points were just right like on three pointers eight like three got, pointers in a game like that is not that many he got to the line 11 times like and, and only took 11 to not have dribbles. to dribble to get yeah. to the line is insane yeah, yeah it's uh, it's all just crazy stuff so yeah, I mean that really, really crazy uh, efficient game there. Um, I think I think Zaza is sort of coming into his own a little bit. Uh, at least he, it looked like that last night. Uh, you know, early in the season he wasn't playing that well, or or maybe just wasn't really clicking with the, what they were trying to do. But he 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 got to a lot of loose balls. Did a lot of those. Um, I don't know. Is that Kevin Garnett that kind of started the the tip out rebound thing, or is that Tyson Chandler? Tyson, I think Tyson is usually Chandler, credited, right? Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Tyson Chandler started that. Uh, he was doing some of those. So I think you know it's going to take a while for a guy like that to sort of fit into a system. I don't. I don't think it's it was ever going to take Kevin Durant that long. Mm-hmm. Just based on, I mean, he's the same type of guy as Steph and, and Clay. So I mean, it's kind of a seamless transition yeah. there. Yeah, and and what's interesting to me is Steph is totally fine. Have we've seen him have a lot of these, you know, like last night, nineteen points, six assists, seven steals, four rebounds. Like he's not putting up those, you know, forty plus point stat lines that we saw so much last year, and he's completely fine with that. He's having it would seem just as much fun. You know, that we're going to talk about our all our all NBA teams. Like he's probably right now like not even close to being a first team All NBA guy. Just be you know mostly because of what Harden and and Westbrook are doing and it seems like he's totally fine with that he's got his MVPs he's got his title uh and and it seems like winning is is certainly the first priority for all four of these guys uh where were you at real quickly on on Kerr taking Thompson out after the end of the third quarter I mean they were up like 32 or something at that point obviously I think I don't think it was a workload concern it was more of a you know just that's what you do in that situation when you're up by that much like do you think he should have let him stay in uh no uh no I no think I don't think it so was, uh if anything it wouldn't look good him for out, I think helps preserve that game being a truly historic night at least in terms of mm-hmm. if you're like a into stuff like efficiency then I think that you appreciate what he did in that game more than if he had played another eight minutes and maybe maybe he misses five or six more shots 
you know, kind of skews all that sort of point. Well, it's like we were saying in the office, like a 60-point game in three quarters is better than like a 68-point game in, in a full four quarters. Yeah, and I think the under 30-minute thing, too, is nice. Right. Uh, I just don't – I don't see – how this cheapened i mean I, I don't look at his night as it being any worse of a night than if he'd played the no. fourth quarter and just gone gunning for uh, it would have been weird stupid arbitrary total points number i think it, i think it was fine the way it was yeah i, I agree i mean it i don't know what circumstance you would have to it would have to occur like if he was in range of like 100 somehow like if he had like 75 through three which you know is borderline impossible. Um, you know, then you maybe think about it, but it's like people are like, "Oh, we could have got eighty-one. Like eighty-one's not the record, is it? Like, do people consider that the record, or is that just like the attainable record?" Um, I think it's the attainable record. I mean, I, I think the Wilt one is kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, because you know you don't have video of it I mean, yeah there's still people who think it didn't happen weren't there people or weren't his teammates um or i forget what the exact details are but i feel like it was just sort of sort of a flawed hundred i mean if i think if that right. had happened under today's game it wouldn't quite be looked at as a legit record mm-hmm. and you have to look at how big he was and who he was playing against i think the kobe one is is more legitimate to me, yeah. As as like the modern era, yeah. Record. Right. I think as time goes on, the Kobe the Kobe game has kind of become the standard as far as single game scoring. Um, so over the weekend in college basketball, uh, I had been all week. I had been telling you how much I was looking forward to watching Kentucky UCLA Lonzo Ball versus Fox and Monk and Adebayo and Kalea Jones and all those guys. Didn't watch a single second of it. Uh, I was I was in Indy for so the, it just wasn't. You were in Indy for the whatever, right? Big Ten title some game, uh, but yeah, the they didn't time. they didn't have it on in like whatever bar you were in. No, they didn't. It so, was like the biggest basketball game of the day. So they just did they not have any basketball games then? Nope. The so we went. Um, we stayed in an Airbnb. Myself and mm-hmm. and some college buddies. The Airbnb did not have cable. It just had watch ESPN. Um, so we basically left to go to the bar right around the time this game was starting. Okay. The problem is one, there's this was a, on CBS, right? So it right. wouldn't have been on, okay. I don't think it would have been on watch ESPN either way. Um, the problem was the Badgers were playing it overlapped. Like the Badger game started, I think a half hour earlier, they were playing Oklahoma. So all the guys basketball, I'm with the basketball, game? yeah, Badger oh. basketball, <laughs> of course, all the guys that I'm with want to watch that. So we get to the bar and like no basketball is on at all. What a game. It was, uh, the big 12 no, the Big 12 doesn't even have a title game. Just a Big 12 game was the on. It was Oklahoma like, State, yeah, that game was on one TV, and then like Texas Tech or something okay. was was playing on another. Like it was, it was a suffice not, it to say. That I walked into the UCLA, a bad situation. Kentucky game. Was it was not on TV. Right, so it was not on TV, and so it took us. We didn't. It took us like 30 minutes to convince them to finally put the Wisconsin game on. You know, I had settled at that point. I'm like, fine. You know, I'd, I'll just watch that. So there was no way I was gonna call the waiter back and be like, hey, can you can you sneak the UCLA game on before any of my friends? Uh, you know, see me trying to turn it. So basically, we didn't get to watch any of it. Although I went back and watched, you know, as many highlights, individual highlights as I could uh, on Sunday. Wasn't overly impressed with Lazo Ball, and it pains me to say that. You know, I went back and watched like the Draft Express breakdown of all of a lot of his possessions, and it was it was pretty negative. Um, some ill-advised shots, some some ill-advised passes. Uh, but there are still those moments where you can see, you know, how advanced he is in certain areas of the game, but. 
I got to hand it to you. I mean, De'Aaron Fox looked like he was the better player just in that one game sample. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think I think Lonzo Ball is still the better prospect. Yeah, but uh, De'Aaron Fox is just he's he's so tough to sort of evaluate because he has that sort of wiry frame. It's it's kind of even a tad bit more wiry than John Wall was. Uh, maybe a, a tiny bit slower than John Wall. So, I mean, elite speed, but not not quite John Wall uh, type of speed. But he kind of plays bigger than than he is. He's he's a really good rebounder. He uh, can be a really dynamic ball handler. Can can really cross you up. Um, has a really nice floater game. I I think he's he just kind of gets free uh, very easily. He gets he gets his shot off. He changes directions really really quickly. Yeah, and he can do you know, he he can do a quick a quick move to create enough space to get it get a 10-footer, 12-footer off uh, off the dribble. Uh really impressive prospect. I mean, definitely kind of we we were sort of breaking down uh this this upcoming draft class and I think we both agree that it goes a legit like 13 deep in terms of guys who would in most years go in the top five or six and yeah. then and then there's a you know another group of like three big men who are, who are sort of a bit more question marks at this point to me and even those guys might go top five or six in some drafts so uh a, a really strong kind of tier of of two or three at the very very top and then like 13 deep or so this is a draft where like you were saying you this is a draft where you want multiple lottery picks kind of like the nuggets uh this past year the suns this past year because if you're picking like eight or nine or even like 11 or 12 you still have a chance of getting a guy who could make some all-star teams right yeah i mean ideally you have like you know number one pick but like you're almost better off having like instead of one i would rather have like three and seven or like even like three and 12 like the guy you're getting at 12 might go like you said like number five in a lot of drafts like i asked you kind of jokingly yesterday like where would if anthony bennett was in this draft like he went number one in 2013 like how many of these guys would have been no-brainer over anthony bennett like i honestly don't know even if bennett if you rewind and look at the prospect that bennett was in 20 was 2013 right 2013 draft Mm -hmm. if you look at the prospect that he was which at the time was a pretty good prospect not a great prospect but and and in in retrospect a terrible prospect but at the time even if you compare him to these guys i don't know if he goes like top 10 no 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 i mean like like we were saying like that to me that that group of 13 or so uh he all those guys go ahead of him yeah and then it becomes when you get to like bam at a bio uh marcus bolden uh, Laurie Markinen, I think those are three guys where if you compared them to Anthony Bennett, you know, coming mm-hmm. out, uh, or even them to like Victor Oladipo coming out, then I think you're you're kind of in that that same range. But uh, a guy like Miles Bridges, uh, Harry Giles, who has the major injury concerns, mm-hmm. those guys I think go go ahead of Anthony Bennett, and you know, uh, Harry Giles is a big. Well, question mark in terms of what his draft stock's going to look like when the draft actually gets here because he he kind of has to get out there and he's and supposed to play on the 19th is according to reports today okay we'll, we'll see well yeah i mean i think he he even if like a harry giles 
doesn't play, like didn't play this whole year, I think that there's a chance he would still have gone oh. ahead of Anthony Bennett in that draft. No, I think so too. I think I, I think if Giles didn't play the whole year, he would still be a lottery pick. Um, but it's a bad year to be a veteran college player. Um, I mean, Ivan Rab's kind of the exception, and he's you know he's only a sophomore; he's not really a veteran. I think he's a lottery pick. But even Rab, you know, like he's he's probably in the ten to fifteen range or closer to that than he is you know top seven or eight. Uh, but you know, somebody like you know Blossom Game from Clemson, uh, even Anunoby, uh guys like Grayson no, Allen, An- Trimble. Anunoby's going to be fine. Anunoby, I think Anunoby by the time the draft comes around, I know he's he's hurt right now. He's a fringe lottery guy though, right? And that says more about this depth. I think. I don't think so i think you might see that on certain boards i think when the draft comes he's going to go in the top 10 i think uh i think rab is kind of i think ananobi goes ahead of rab i think rab is sort of the in that 10 to like you said 10 to 15 range he probably i don't know what else you i mean rab has basically been since he's come back i mean he missed the first the first few games of the year with i think it was an ankle injury i mean he's been dominant i don't what does rab have to do i love him i don't Uh, think being a sophomore hurts him that much. i just think yeah, I mean, maybe it comes down to uh, what teams need that are picking in that range. I, I think I, w- I would still take Rab over a guy like Malik Monk. I would take Rab over Fox. Uh, I would take Rab over Bridges. I would think Rab versus Giles is pretty close to me. Right. Um, the point that we're trying to make, though, is like whoever you're getting in the late lottery is going to be a great, great prospect. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're going to be a great NBA player, but you got to like what you're getting there. Yeah, and that's it's it's sort of one of those years where you'd much you'd rather even just just miss the playoffs than get the eight seed yes. in like the East or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even then, like if you have like the fifteenth pick, that's still not that terrible. Yeah, but I, I do think it does drop off around mm-hmm. there. Like yes, wanna, there's a very sharp drop. You want to get you want to get into that top twelve or thirteen if you mm-hmm. can, and. Uh, like it's it's definitely a year like I know Mark Cuban's had a comment sort of to this um getting at this point where they don't really even have to try to tank. They're just going to naturally yeah. be in that sort of top five right, range like, because like every other team is trying to win. No, so exactly. It's like they don't have to dump off all their parts mm-hmm. to get a top five pick. Right. Not a good year to be the Kings. So their their pick <laughs> is oh if if this, their pick this is falls, the year where it's a bad year to be the Kings. yeah usually it's a great year to be the Kings so <laughs> Philly can swap picks with the Kings uh, probably not going to want to do that I mean it, that would be negligible you'd think at best but basically Sacramento is guaranteed to not get the number one pick because if they did Philly would just swap uh, and if their pick falls outside of the top ten it goes to Chicago mm-hmm. so kind of interesting though if you're the Bulls I mean you're obviously rooting hard for Sacramento to to finish outside of the bottom ten. Um, because again, I mean, at number 10, you could add a really, really good player, mm-hmm. uh, to that core. Um, uh, and that's, what's interesting to me is like, even with the T wolves, like, let's say they don't turn things around, like they don't have to get the number one pick again, or, you know, three or four, like, even if they turn things on and just miss the playoffs and then finish at like 10th or 11th in the lottery, like you're going to get another really good piece to add to that core. Yeah. I think that it's, that seems like a lock at this point. Right. Hard to, hard to see how, uh, significant enough mm-hmm. turnaround would be coming um yeah i mean it's it's we'll be talking about the draft right. a lot in the in the coming weeks and months but it's it's gonna be probably the deepest one like i i couldn't think of a deeper one than the alan iverson uh steve nash kobe bryant one from mm-hmm. was that 97 
96, 97, I think. So, I mean, to me, this is the deepest draft since then, at yeah. least at, at this point in the calendar. Year. Yeah, and I, I mean, I was way too young, and you probably were too, to re- like really be scouting that draft. No, you know, yeah. like I don't remember, like, was it considered that deep, or was it in retrospect, like, wow, this is way deeper? So, so I was at an age where as soon as these guys like were rookies i started following them but i wasn't following them leading up to the draft so like i i had you know a bunch of like kobe bryant rookie cards alan iverson rookie cards and stuff like that but it wasn't like i was sitting there like "Ooh, man this kobe bryant guy you know Mm -hmm. it it was so i i didn't and i don't even think at the time people realized it was going to be quite as deep as it was because you had guys like steve nash and Kobe Bryant, who went outside the top uh, 10 and ended up being Hall of Fame caliber players. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, I think this, this draft can certainly mirror that. We need to talk about Jonathan Isaac one of these times, not this <laughs> podcast. I, I still admittedly need to do more research on, on Jonathan Isaac, but I mean, I've seen him as high as three in, in, some, uh, in some mocks. But one of your guys, your guys, Luke Kennard, probably not a lottery guy, probably not even a first rounder. <laughs> Uh, because uh, that's just how these things work. But there's a little bit of an upswell for Luke Kennard as National Player of the Year right now. He's kind of just usurped what was supposed to be Grayson Allen's well, like big, we, big coming out year after after a great year last year. We said on the pod, uh, what was it after the game? Was it after the Kansas Champions game? Champions Classic, the yeah, Michigan must, State. Must have been the, did, did they play Kansas or Michigan? They lost to Kansas, you know, in that that first yeah, uh opening so tournament that double that, header yeah, it was that game um we said after that game like canard honestly canard was better he's just better than grayson allen at this point and it wasn't it was clear kind of then and to me you could almost sort of see it as a possibility at the end of last year canard just kind of came on he's he's an, a really 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 good college basketball player he's like you know Denzel Valentine last year it just it doesn't necessarily stand out that much because he's got all this other talent around him but if you put like Luke Kennard on just some random like if you put Luke Kennard on like Michigan or like Texas or something like that he would have them in the mix for like a top three seed just because mm-hmm. of how good he is as, as a college right. basketball player. So and it's like this guy didn't come out of nowhere. Like, I mean, he was a big, big time recruit, yeah. like a huge big time scorer in, in high school. Like this isn't all that unexpected, I guess. Um, I think it's unexpected because of the Grayson Allen yeah. thing. Like everyone just talked about this Duke team. Well, they have Grayson Allen and they have these three lottery picks coming yeah. in. Nobody ever mentioned uh, Luke Kennard as part mm-hmm. of the reason why this Duke team was going to be so good. Right. I mean, Kennard's only taking like less than 14 shots a game, which for a guy averaging over 20 points is really, really low. And he's only taking four free throws a game. He's, he's shooting 52% from the field, 41% from three. Just like so, so good at picking his spots. Like you never see him force anything. If somebody comes rushing out to him and he's going to shoot a three, mm-hmm. he'll, he'll just go by him and, and finish. And he's, he's been Duke's best player easily. I mean, Emil Jefferson's been really good so far. Uh, but I think without Kennard, this this team uh, is in a much different spot. They probably have more than one loss. Um, and the, with Grayson Allen dealing with this toe injury that's apparently been ongoing for like close to a month, doesn't really seem like something he doesn't want to sit out. But it just you wonder how long it's going to take. Like, is this just kind of going to be Kennard's team and Kennard's award to lose? Like, I feel like everybody on Kentucky will kind of fight for it. Kansas has too many guys. Like, it not that Duke seem- doesn't have too many guys either, but Kennard's been that good. It might seem weird to say, but I feel like this is one of 
one of Coach K's toughest coaching jobs uh, because the pieces don't fit. Like, the, mm-hmm. I mean, or they've got too much talent, I guess. I agree. And uh, you have guys with egos, guys like Grayson Allen, uh, guys like Marcus Bolden, um, Jason Tatum, who are just used to being the guy. And you have your best player is Luke Kennard, who none of those guys expected to be the best player on the team coming into the season. So you have to kind of manage mm-hmm. everyone's expectations of touches and minutes. And uh, you kind of have to dictate who's going to be having the ball in, in crucial situations for them in, in the tournament and stuff like that. And I think that that's going to be really challenging yeah. to do. So be interesting to kind of see – you know, say they're in like the final four, which they which they should be, or the title game, and it's you know one possession game in the final two minutes. It'll be interesting to kind of see who's dominating the ball for them. Right, and it's like at what point do you? I mean, you obviously you can't bench Grayson Allen, right? But the dude's shooting thirty five percent. I mean, you got Frank Jackson shooting forty eight percent. Tatum coming back, he can be a big. You can see a scenario like based on the matchups. Yeah, certain teams where it's hard their to argue their lineup would be. Uh, Allen on the bench. Yeah, it's hard to argue that right now, based on the numbers, that they're a better team with Grayson Allen on the court. I like, think if that, you get everyone up, to, if everyone's healthy, like if you get Tate, Tatum and Bolden and and Giles right. even, and everyone's everyone's rolling, like I think I think you're right. Those guys. I mean, and Grayson Allen's a really really good player. Those guys are just better. I mean, we saw Tatum. He made his debut. We should say quickly on Tuesday. Actually, no, it wasn't his debut. His second game. He played on Saturday. Uh, in their huge win over Maine, ten points, eight rebounds, uh, but looked really, really good against Florida. Twenty-two and eight, two assists, a block, and a couple steals. Um, he's bigger than I thought. He's longer than I thought. He looks more athletic. Um, I mean, it, again, it's a small sample, but Florida's not a bad opponent, and he he looked like at times the best player on the floor. You know, on in a game where there's like five guys that you could probably say that about. I don't know if he looked more athletic to me than I expected, but he... Well, you hear the Paul Pierce comparisons, and it's like, that doesn't scream athleticism to me. Uh, yeah, I think I think they probably have com- comparable athleticism at this stage, though. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of... My comp for you was that he's like sort of Blake Griff- Griffin without the athleticism. Like, like, he's just... To me, he plays like a power forward. I think he's a three, like a really, really natural three. Yeah, maybe it's just that he's in college right now that it looks like he's playing like a power forward. But, uh, you know, he he really operates inside the arc, uh, kind of on that elbow, and is and it's just deadly. I mean, he can he can get his shot in a variety of ways from there, but that's not sort of how we're used to seeing. Uh, small forwards operate at least not in today's game it doesn't seem so uh yeah i'd love to see a lot more of him i mean he's just a a dynamic scorer not really much of a passer it doesn't seem but uh, i think he can pass he just doesn't yeah i mean the type of guy who (laughs) type of guy who really can can just go off and and probably even in in college could probably go for 40 on certain nights yeah Uh, but yeah, I mean, why? If you're that good of a scorer, I guess why? Why would he have developed any kind of a right. passing? <laughs> exactly. Passing I think stuff. that's the mindset. No, I've been a, a more athletic Danny Granger. I had heard as as a comp, and I I like that. I think, I think you hear Danny Granger now, and you think that maybe does a disservice to Tatum. But like Danny Granger was really good for mm-hmm. a couple of years, and it's like if you take peak Danny Granger and get him add some athleticism, I think that's a pretty fair comp. Um, 
let's talk all NBA teams. So we're about a quarter of the way in. Um, most teams playing around 20 games, some a little bit more. Uh, but we'll go through the All-NBA. We won't do awards yet. We'll, we'll save that for another podcast. Uh, but give me your first team All-NBA. And we're going to preface this by having a discussion of how we think positions should be handled. I went, you know, the NBA voters, like the, the real voters, the non-insiders like ourselves, have traditionally voted true centers. Like DeAndre Jordan was a first-teamer last year. Well, aren't they instructed? To? Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's, it comes down to what they're told to do. Right, exactly. And- to me, it should be the same as the All-Star team where they, I mean, recently made that switch to now. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, it really should just be five players. That's what I was going to ask. Like, would you be okay like, if, if in a given year the yeah. first team was just five guards, if that's if they were the five best players? I would be fine with that. I would be too. Because, A, that would never happen. Yes. But B, we're playing in, a, in an era mm-hmm. of basketball, and this is kind of the most basketball at its truest form to me right. where there really isn't uh positions necessarily. No, I agree. And so you would never have like five point guards, but mm-hmm. I think it's fair to have a team where you have say three point guards and two wings. I think the, it should be the first team. two like, bigs or two front court players, two guards and then one wild card utility, whatever you want to call it, flex. Sure. Uh that would work for me. I think, at the very least, you should not have a mandatory center. No, um, no, and, and like of all positions to make mandatory, you know, like mm-hmm. in the way that the NBA is now, like how <laughs> yeah. many teams even have it? Like that's yeah. that I don't know. That's like, like that's like the equivalent right. of like a fullback in the NFL right now. Like, okay, I'll tell you my first team. We can we can. Okay, so yeah, let's go. Uh, so I have Russell Westbrook, James Harden as the guards. What? Uh, Kevin Durant, LeBron James as the forwards, and oh, Anthony okay. Davis as the center. Same here. All right. All right. So there's a question about like, is Davis a center? I'm fine. He's a center. He's center enough, yes. right? He's like a, he is a effing center. Like if we're right. gonna, if we're gonna say Anthony Davis isn't a center, then I don't want to have it have this conversation. If, yeah. If DMC or Boogie or whatever you want to call him was a center for last year's second team, then then Davis is a center. Although for what it's worth, Davis was listed as a forward when he made first team All NBA two years ago. So hopefully they don't hold him to that. Uh, I don't know how that works. I, I hope that like once you're voted at one position, you're not just locked in. Yeah, I mean th- they'll they'll do it. I think they'll do the right thing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and to me, they should. There's the, no. It's just embarrassing for the league. To me, if I could have, I would have put. Uh, well, hey, let me ask you this: Would you say that say you could put any five on there? Uh, mm-hmm. What would your team look like? The first four that you mentioned are all locks to me. Like, barring an injury, all four of those guys mm-hmm. are in, right? Like, no, I don't know what could change that, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, I, there's a case to be made that Draymond is the fifth guy there. You could probably talk me into Kawhi, especially if the Spurs, you know, keep winning and, and put together a 60-plus win season. Uh, but even, like, I'm fine with Davis in that spot. Like, mm-hmm. the number, he's I, leading the league in blocks and scoring. He's been awesome. Too. I'm fine with it, too. I'd also, you could also talk me into Curry if you want to throw a third guard in, because I'd still think he's that good. I think, to me, the only guys I would consider would be Curry and Kawhi. No Draymond? No. Okay. Because I, I think, like, I, I it, like, imagine if you sub. Draymond and Anthony Davis like I mean I I don't like 
imagine what would be happening on the uh, Pelicans and what would be happening on the Warriors. Like it, to me, it's not. There um, are people that would debate you on that. You know, um, I'm not one of them, but people would. <laughs> so like, I just thought about that, and I was just like, oh, never mind. Uh, it's not even not even close. But uh, but then to me, like Curry, it, this does seem like a major slide on him. Um, Kawhi to me is is just so so good at so many things that it's tough to leave him off and any i would even say it's a it's tougher to leave chris paul off for me than it is to leave draymond off uh just based on um just how steady how steady paul is but uh, i'll give you my second team uh curry chris paul at the guards uh i went Giannis and Kawhi at the forwards and draymond at the center okay so i went draymond at center again i don't know you know, Draymond's been a forward, or at least he was on the All NBA team last year. So we'll see. But in an ideal world, I think Draymond's fine as a center. I went Blake and Kawhi as my forwards, uh, Curry as a guard, and then Jimmy Butler as my other guard. You have Jimmy Butler over Chris Paul. I have Jimmy Butler wow. as of right now over Chris Paul. Paul's been great. His numbers have been relatively unimpressive, and that's on the Chris Paul scale because you know compared to everyone else, they're great. But I don't know. I, I mean, his scoring's down like two points. His assists are down. Steals are up marginally. Rebounding's up marginally. Like he's I having think he's another. One of the best. I mean, maybe you would say this about Jimmy Butler. I think he's one of the best two-way players in the league, and he's someone who is one of the reasons why the Clippers are just a lock to win fifty yes. games every year. So true to me. I I will say. Jimmy Butler was the my eleventh guy, so like it was, to me, it was him between him and Giannis for that mm-hmm. final spot there, and not between I th- I debated Blake that. Griffin. Um, to me, I mean, I I just look at that Bucks team is just pure trash uh, minus Giannis. So the fact that they're uh, even around five hundred mm-hmm. to me shows how good he is. He's one of the most unguardable players in the league. Yeah. I mean, it, maybe top two or three even in that department he's still kind of learning uh how to take over games and when to pick his spots like when he decides that he's gonna score he scores but he doesn't maybe decide to do that enough he's like too much of a conscience i think sometimes where he'll think like oh man i've shot two times in a row and i turned it over i should probably not shoot for a few possessions like it's gonna take him a while to get over that. Like all the greats, just you just don't have that conscience right. in them at all. Um, but no, I mean I think Giannis could certainly play his way up there. Uh, I just think like if the Clippers, you know, finish second or third in the West with fifty-seven wins, like one of the, either Blake or Paul gets on the second team. And I would say right now I have Butler on the second team. But if I had to project out and say when you know we're vote, you know, someone's voting on these in May, I think Chris Paul probably by then usurps Butler partly partially because Butler is playing out of his mind right now and I don't know quite how sustainable it is all right third team third team is probably where we see like the second team we at least both had the guys yeah we disagreed on on the third team um my third team was Jimmy Butler Clay Thompson Blake Griffin Paul Millsap and DeMarcus Cousins okay uh so I had Cousins as my center Giannis as the the other forward and again that was really really close between him and Blake Kevin Love as my other forward figured yeah I kind of figured you would figure that (laughs) uh and then DeRozan and Chris Paul so I went DeRozan over Clay I don't like if it was me like I think Clay's a better player but I think 
The Raptors so, are going to finish second in the East, and someone from that team is going to have to be represented. And the Warriors already have three guys on this list. I would have put, honestly, the my sixteenth guy, the guy I didn't put on, was Kyle Lowry. So we, okay, Drosen's uh, averaging twenty eight five and four. That's a hell of a year. Yeah. Um, like to not make a third All NBA team with that, and like you're just totally reasonable to leave him off. I'm not <laughs> saying it's not. Like it's just insane yeah, how deep the league is. It's um. I don't know. It's interesting. I, I definitely get it. Uh, to me, Clay, like Clay Thompson is just undeniably one of the fifteen best players in the league. Like I just, if if anyone wants to argue that with me, then I will basically say you're insane because he just is. Like it, there's no way around it. I mean, he's um, a top top three shooter in the league. A if we're just talking efficient scoring, he's he's in the top three or four or five for that for me, and uh, can can lock up both guard positions defensively when he needs to. And yeah, I mean, I just I think it's it's a slam dunk that he's one of the fifteen best players. He's he's not going to rate that high on any kind of like real plus minus or or per just because of his situation. But if you want to switch his situation with Jimmy Butler or switch his situation with Demar Derozan, then he he absolutely would would be near the top in all those those uh, advanced metrics so to me that's mm-hmm. why he's on there so love is the one that i know you i knew you wouldn't like but <laughs> i don't dislike it i i respect it i just think Millsap's a better player i don't know like you so you think you think the warriors who could are probably not going to finish with all that much better of a record than the Cavs, deserve four and the Cavs deserve one yeah because i think they have four of the 15 best players i don't think the record matters i don't i don't i think, think it does to people though well it I didn't. It didn't to me. Okay. Like I mean, I'm just saying. As a like, voter, before the before the season, mm-hmm. forget what the records are going to be. If you asked me, who are the 15 best players in the league? Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm putting four Warriors in that list, and I'm yeah. I'm only putting one Cav. Uh, I would have put Kyrie on before Love, to be honest with you. And that, that's yeah. I mean, that's fair. But it, the, the thing with Kyrie is, I just feel like the guard position is so deep that like I couldn't justify Kyrie over CP or DeRozan or even like Lowry, Clay. Mm-hmm. You know, like I give a guy like to like me, Love versus Millsap to me is a lot more debatable than Kyrie versus Chris Paul. Yeah, and I think I mean Paul's on your second team, so obviously you yeah, agree with that. I, no, I agree with that. Um, Millsap, I give him the edge just because he's a, a true two-way player, a guy that uh, can lift up a team. Like to me, Kevin Love. If if you put Kevin Love on a team like the Hawks instead of Paul Millsap, I think they're significantly worse off. Uh, whereas a guy like Paul Millsap would uh, thrive on a team like the. I mm-hmm. mean, Millsap would fit into any situation, and I have a hard time uh, seeing a team like where he's just surrounded with competent guys not finishing at least around five hundred. Whereas love's game is just so unique yeah. it, it he looks so good right now because he's in just this this crazy zone of just of hitting hitting everything yeah. and he's getting all these open looks and and all that stuff and he's really not being asked to do a ton on the other end but uh, Millsap just does so much more mm-hmm. to me night in night out I do worry though I mean the Hawks have lost what 10 of 11 like if they fall out I think Millsap's gonna have a I really mean, really tough time I mean I don't think Millsap's gonna make yeah one of these but teams if, but I'm, if he, I'm just putting yeah yeah, I mean, going me. back to love too. More win shares per forty eight than LeBron, which is surprising. Um, I'm just kind of looking at leaders. You know, I mean, he's top twenty in rebound percentage, top fifteen in, in rebounds per game. 
Uh, I'm looking at defensive win shares. Love obviously isn't on there, but Giannis is fifth in the league in defensive win shares. Like that's ahead of like Jordan, CP, Dwight, Draymond. Insane. Well, he's a he's just a freak. He is a freak. <laughs> I mean, he's top five. You were saying what? He's top five in steals and is it blocks? I mean, he's averaging over two of each, so I would assume he's fifth he's in blocks <laughs> and he's always oh, sixth in total steals. I don't have steals per game ahead of me. Um, third in steals per game. So yeah. yeah, not not too shabby. And fourth in blocks per game. Mm-hmm. He's pretty good. He's pretty pretty good. Um, so th- now, like, what's even crazier is you know, we were talking about the depth of, of getting these fifteen guys together. Like, between the two of us, Clay Lowry and Millsap were left off of one of our teams. Mm-hmm. I left off uh, all three. You had all, you had those three guys on. Uh, but I got- didn't have I didn't have Lowry. Oh, sorry, you didn't have Lowry. Yeah. Okay, no, yeah, he was your sixteenth guy. So we both left Lowry off. Uh, I left Clay and Millsap off, you know, and again, justifiable uh, to have both those guys on. But these are the guys that we both didn't even talk about at all. Kyrie, DeAndre Jordan, Mark Gasol, Paul George, John Wall, Kemba, Isaiah Thomas, Damian Lillard, Carl Towns, Whiteside, Drummond, Aldridge. Horford, Gobert. Horford, right, Gobert. I mean, George Hill was averaging like 20 and 7. I mean, you could you could put together like – three all NBA DeJounte teams Murray. of the guys that we of we that we didn't even talk about and have some like really really good teams yeah like in past years I, th- I think a guy like you know a guy like Kemba is probably like a slam dunk for the third team right. uh you, you know a guy like Marc Gasol or Rudy Gobert DeAndre Jordan these guys are are absolutely in the mix and they're not even like, 2000... I didn't even consider any of those centers. No. You know, Three seasons ago, 2012-13, David Lee made it as a forward, not even as the token center, as a forward. Like, that would never happen. Like, the, guy, guy, the years of Tony Parker making the second team yeah. because the Spurs were good, like, <clears throat> those days are over. Like, you, Goran Dragic being the third teamer, like, you can't just have, like, oh, that guy was pretty good. He got third and team. Like, no, you have to, do- you have to dominate. We didn't, we didn't put... You know, any Blazers on, any Wolves no on. No mention of Porzingis, any, Carmelo. Uh, yeah, I mean, to not have – if we if you told us before the season, I think both of us, if you told us before the season that Carl Anthony Towns wouldn't even be considered. Not even in the talk. Crazy. That, that's that's pretty nuts. It, it really, really is. I mean, and it's – yeah, it's unbelievable. When you look at the third team could easily be a first team, and I think that's what it will look like at the end of the well, year, the, whatever it ends up being. To me, like the second team – like, if you just had the second team play the first team, I don't yeah. even think it would be like a, a big mismatch. <laughs> no, that's no, and even like, and even the third team is like compared to the second team or the first team isn't that crazy. I mean, the first team is, I mean, the years that Harden, Westbrook, Durant, especially, and that's not even bringing in Davis and LeBron who are having vintage years. Like those three guys are having transcendent, mm-hmm. transcendent seasons. And that's what it takes to get the first team in, in this in this type of season. I mean, it's you have unbelievable. To, to how be on the depth. first team, you have to be like an absolute monster, like a like a, a historic monster, right. To be on that first team. I mean, it, like, look at the year Curry's having efficiency wise. Or like, I mean, we talked about Butler and DeRozan. Like, Butler's averaging what like twenty six, seven, and five. And we're like, yeah, maybe he sneaks onto the second team. Mm-hmm. DeRozan twenty eight a game, like yeah, borderline third teamer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really really ridiculous. Um, okay, so the only thing left on my little agenda here is Young Thug and J. Cole. So, Thug, <laughs> oh, take it away. Thug doesn't get a Grammy nomination, which to me <laughs> is probably the biggest snub of the year. Uh, 
I don't even I haven't looked at the Grammy nominations. I just found out that he didn't get one and I didn't even want to do any research because uh, that would have just upset me further, but uh definitely should be noted that, that Young Thug not being uh nominated for the Grammys means that we can all just kind of I think forget about these awards as right. as relevant to society in any in any way uh shape or form. Yeah, it's uh it's a shame. Didn't I mean if you I can understand if you don't nominate him for best album. I can understand if you don't nominate him for best rap album. Uh but not even best rap song. See. I mean just talk about a slap in the face. I mean Jeffrey not being nominated for best rap album is DJ Khaled got nominated for best rap an album. All-time slight. So okay, so who is <laughs> we'll just go quickly cuz I'm I'm genuinely curious you about your opinion up. here. Okay. Uh okay. so the five nominees for best rap album okay. are Life of Pablo, Views, yeah. Coloring Book, Blank Face and Major Key. Okay. So Major Key, that's not the winner, right? What's Blank Face? Schoolboy. Oh. Really? Yeah. That's a good album, but like that's, it's not Grammy quality, okay. right? I don't know. It's fine. Um I I think Views Co- I think sucks. Coloring Book's going to win. Um big. To me, I mean Major Key, Views and Blank Face are like Coloring Book and Life of Pablo and Jeffrey are all in the same kind of tier of album to me. Whereas those other three are just like, whatever, like get this, get this crap out of my face. Like I'm I thought Black Babe was pretty good. I think a lot of people are down on Pablo views. Views might win it just because it's like, it's so popular. It's like everyone you views talk to so, says, so everyone says that, but then it goes like four times platinum. It's like, who are these people that are listening to this? Know. It's awful. And, and uh, it comes up on my Pandora all the time I, I swear i've thumbs down all these tracks and they just keep showing up uh i don't know how they're doing it it's just some sort of scheme to, mm-hmm. to keep pounding that that crap in my ears and also like this is something that i like actually do think about when it comes to like albums is like the artwork like to me like views is like the most like boring like generic uninspiring mm-hmm. like presentation of an album to me like well especially for what was supposed to be this like epic album that had been in the works forever like when jake released it it immediately became a joke yeah like what what is this like what what, what's going on on? like i thought like when it came up when it first came up on like my pandora like i thought it was like some weird like little mixtape that he must have released in like 2012 (laughs) that i like wasn't privy to like i didn't realize it was like an actual studio album that like people boy were, were you really wrong serious about so j cole's got something coming tomorrow um i just basically had the the genesis of this conversation was uh <laughs> i saw that j cole has a new album coming and i was like are you into j cole and and you were just like um well actually why don't you just why don't you say uh, I said I was really into J. Cole until yeah. about like 2013 or 2014. I really liked okay. the mixtapes. I liked the first album. Did you say like, did you just say like his new stuff's overrated? Is that basically what you said? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't like, I don't dis- I like J. Cole. Like, I would consider myself a J. Cole fan. I just, I just don't, I, like, I never listened to so, his newest album. Oh, you never listened to Forrest No, I mean, I've listened five. to it. I'm just saying okay. I, I don't. Like, okay. I gave it, you know, I listened to it a few times. There's like, there's like two songs off it that I like, but like, I never just put it on. Yeah. So. Um, I just, I don't know. I think you're, we're obviously in agreement that Friday Night Lights and Cole World are 
better than Born Sinner and Forest Hills Drive. Born Sinner is Born a Sinner is terrible, the worst. terrible album uh, that no one should ever listen to. But I think Forest Hills Drive was like good enough, and some yeah. of the songs were hot enough that I'm still excited yeah. for Fire Squad. I still love, and I, I think uh, like getting back to like presentation, like. Uh, the way this album looks i'm I'm pretty intrigued i think it uh has a lot of potential um, high so upside I'm, I'm i'm interested i'm, I'm lunch pale I'm excited album. to to check it out uh but you won't be checking it out so i might have to what do you mean yes i will you will be what do you I, think i'm just not gonna listen to it well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah of course i will right. i don't I'm, i hope that it comes out at midnight that's usually how that works um, um we'll see see i don't even care enough to stay up till midnight. have you listened to the kanye diss track uh, no, I don't think this is going to be included on the album, but it was dropped as like you know the visual project that seems to okay. accompany every rap album now. It was it was harsh, okay. uh, considering I thought they were friends, but apparently not. I don't know. I'm not a rap game insider, just just a basketball insider. I don't think they've ever been tight, really. Like I don't. He I mean, never really. I always thought that like Kanye let him sample like J Cole's like big breakout song, like yeah. big big breakout song was Work Out, which sampled Kanye, and I was I've assumed Kanye had to sign off on that. I guess he, I mean, so he, he probably had to sign off. They were both under the same label at the time. Yeah. Uh, actually, they might still be under the same label. Um, I don't know what Jake, what label is he even on anymore? He's on Rock Nation. Uh, okay. Well, Kanye's not on Rock Nation. Okay. Um, but anyways, yeah, like they've never been on, have they been on a track together? I'm looking that up right now. I and so. Uh, I don't think he ever produced anything. Like he never produced. Weren't they out looking for trouble? That which was included, I think it was one of those Good Friday tracks. I think okay. it was included on like the on like the extended version of one of the mixtapes for J Cole. But that's it. Okay. Yeah. I as mean, as far as I'm aware, there's no, there's not a ton of overlap, and like Kanye is the type of guy that definitely likes to overlap right. quite a bit with people he likes. So, um, not surprising there. And to me, they're just two extremely different types of dudes. Uh, Especially so current it's not, Kanye. It's not that. Well, everyone's a different type yeah. of dude than current Kanye, but um, not surprising that they're beefing. And, and why not? You know, I mean, spice it up a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's almost Christmas. Everyone likes a good hip hop. Yeah. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.